podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. David! Gagan! How you doing, buddy? How you I'm doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Good, good. Not much going on, really, on the Liverpool front, is there? It's all been a bit quiet. You know, it's not not been the best week, apart from Mane going, but we covered that last week. It just spent the whole week, really, that happening. I think maybe Tacky. Tacky's the other news. Tacky's going. Mm. Not officially announced by the club just yet, but he's going. Yeah, um, the Monaco ma- manager has basically confirmed it. Mm. That it's done. It's obviously just, I'd imagine, waiting until July first to uh, to confirm it. But it's a decent deal. You would have liked a little bit more money, considering the season he's coming off. Like at ten goals in what just over a thousand minutes uh, is a really good return, and he was good in the Premier League, good in the cups. So you would have liked a little bit more, but you can't gripe too much. And we, we were talking about this the other day. A big part of this as well is starting to build relationships with other clubs and Monaco are definitely a club where it would be beneficial to have a good relationship with them for players that come up either through their academy or ones that they buy and develop and then we might have have a strong interest in. They're one of those clubs that sell very well, you know. Mm. You know, they 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 kind of build these players and you know, they regularly have I mean, we we got Mon- we got um, Fabinho from them, so you know we know how well that went. And uh, I I think you're right. I think there's a there's a case to me. Same with same with Bayern. I think we said the same thing, didn't we? With Bayern, with Mane, we all thought, you know, we were surprised that um, we, the fee was what it was. We all thought that you know he'd we'd get a little bit more. But again, I think the same applies there. It's building those relationships. Bayern did the same for Thiago. We do the same for uh, Mane. Pretty much, you know, rather than doing for each other, you're doing it for the player. Out of respect, you know, Thiago won everything with them. Just won the Champions League that season before he came to us as well. And Mane just won the AFCON, went for a quad, won two cups, you know. Pretty much, though, won everything with us too. So, afforded the same respect. And and that way, you actually keep it quite sweet between the two big clubs as well. So it, and it's the agents. Good. Like, remember as yes. well, the agents are such a big part of this because they've got so much power at the minute. And Sadio is with one of the bigger agencies. He's with Roof, um, who previously, I think, were Arena 22. And, like, they've got a number of players that may well become interesting to us. Obviously, one of their clients is Naby, and we want to get a contract extension done there, but they also represent Gnabry, they represent Kai Havertz, Conrad Lamer, Javer Schlager, David Ru- uh, David Rahm is, is a really good young left-back that they have as well. So, you know, there might be some of these players become interesting to us in the next couple of years, and it'd be good to have the relationship with the with the agent. 
And then with Bayern, you know, you'd look at that squad and if Jamal Musiala ever decided he wanted to move on, you'd love to be in for him. Tangoy Nzonzi, the young centre-back, really, really talented. Uh, you'd like to be in for him. So, yeah, there's there's definitely, there's definitely a, a bigger plan here than just what it is right now. And like with Monaco as well, Ben Wabadi Yashile, if we're looking for a centre-back next summer, I guarantee you he's high on the list. And Sofian Diop, the young attacking midfielder they have, really fun player, came through the Rennes Academy. He's been at Monaco now a few years and sort of has had two really strong seasons back-to-back. Looks like he could be a breakout star next year who might put up something like 15 goals, 10 assists, in which case we might then look to move in for him. And if we've got this strong relationship with Monaco, maybe we're top of the queue to get him. Exactly. That's that's exactly what you're seeing in both clubs there. And we've already seen how good the relationships are with Red Bull, you know, in terms mm. of getting play, players from their clubs. Um, we've, we've, we've um, you know, done deals with both. So that's that's always promising. Now, um, I mean, in Leipzig, we've gone back to twice. We've done our Salzburg ones. It's it's a, that's definitely a good relationship, you know. So, um, but just just before we went on the air, Neil Jones wrote a brand new article, uh, and it was released. And he literally name checks Bellingham. The pictures all Bellingham. Like you know, this rumor that has been doing the rounds and what we've been hearing or what we've been talking about behind the scenes, Dave, is literally out in people's faces. Then there's no hiding about this anymore. You know, uh, Neil Jones is out there speaking about it. Something's going down. We know, we, we feel that. We know that. A lot of the hints are it's not for this summer. It's most likely for next summer. But um, just going through that article, and I haven't read it all because I didn't get a chance, but Tyrone's JC's put a few things in here. Um you know the the real the real interesting part was the names he said, Barella being one, as well. Mm. That that stuck out to me, because you know there's been people on Twitter saying that, there's been you know rumors of it, but no one like Neil Jones has ever come out, and Suchich as well, right? So these Suchich two players is an interesting one. Yeah, so these two are interesting players that I would like you to just give your opinion on and. And talk to you know just 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 for the the listeners out there to say right, I mean if these became options this summer or next, it would be interesting. But ideally, I'd want someone this summer. Everybody does. Every, we're in the yeah. ideal world, we all do. It's not. It's it's all about though what the whole point of the art, article is is waiting for the right one. They don't want to just go by anyone. They want to spend some money on a big one on a real good one. So if they've got that budget and it's like a Bellingham, but you know it's a Bellingham budget. Then that Barella comes into that category, right? Surely. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. To, there's also the article that's come out today from uh, James Jimbo Pierce, where he contradicts what the Echo said a week ago, where they said there's no plans to sell Oxlade Chamberlain. He's part of the plans for the coming season. And Jimbo says, "Well, no, he's he's for sale, and Liverpool won't stand in his way if they get an offer in, in around ten million. So that clearly contradicts that line that the Echo were fed. So, you know, there's also been, David Lynch has written it, and Jim said it today, oh, they had interest in Chiumeni, uh, but they always had the feeling he was going to pick Real Madrid. We know that's bullshit. 
No, no, we, we know, know that's bullshit. That we know that's bullshit. Now, obviously, people will love the hindsight bias and say, "Yeah, well, we knew he was always going there, but he wasn't." No, he, he wasn't because they weren't in for him. No, until Mbappe weren't. turned them down. So he, literally, he knew that Mbappe's their first choice this summer over yeah. him. They weren't going to go for him unless this. And okay, in the end, it didn't work our way, and we got a bit of bad luck there. But the deal was. But it wasn't like good. a thing that we just had interest. Like David Lynch said. We had interest and quickly moved on. No, we didn't. We chased him for six months, agreed a contract with him, and had the kid over for medical. Pop met him in person. That's not quick interest. That is us thinking we're about to close a deal. So the journalists are lying on behalf of the club because they wanted to seem like, oh, they're not actually in for a midfielder. It was just an opportunity. Because what that means is if we don't get a midfielder in, and it's openly admitted that, yeah, Liverpool were all over looking for a midfielder in the summer, well, then the lads who were there are going to look and go, well, do they not have the faith in us? By saying, oh, no, they're not interested in a midfielder unless, you know, a specific one comes up, that puts the current players' minds at rest more than anything. But to to talk about the two players that you've mentioned, so Lukas Sukic, he's or Sucic, he's... Uh, Super talented, like super, super talented. 19, turns 20 in September, 6-1, playmaker type, really skillful, left-footed, good set piece taker, really inventive passer, sees the game very well. Now, he's not what you would term an explosive athlete at all. Like, he doesn't have a burst of speed. He's not your box-to-box midfielder. For those that fawn and touch themselves over the idea of pace and power, he doesn't fit into that basket either. He's a finesse player, but he's 6'1", and he does have a bit of physicality about him. Like, he can hold the ball really well. He's happy to go into duels. This past season, he had 1,827 minutes in the league, scored eight goals, had four assists, 11-5 and in all competitions in just over 2,800 minutes. So good productivity and showing a capacity for a large share of minutes. Now, admittedly, it's the Austrian Bundesliga, but he did play in the Champions League. He played eight games in the Champions League between the qualifiers and the group stage. So again, showing that he can play at the highest level. You look at his injury history, he's had hamstring injury in... March of 2021, that cost him two games. He had a cold, he had a bruise, he was ill, and then he got COVID. And there are four separate instances that cost him four games. So in his fledgling career, he's missed six games, but only three of them through non-illness things, and only one of them through a real injury. A bruise is not a real injury, that's just a club being safe with a player. It's worth factoring in that, that this past season was his third season of senior football. He was that life ring for a year and a half. They're, they're like Red Bull Salzburg's feeder club. They're second division in Austria, and that's where they send a lot of their very promising players to get the minutes at kind of 16, 17, 18. He was there for a year and a half and performed well. They did look a standout player at that level, which is what you want. You always want these younger players at lower leagues to look like standout players. And he did. When he was at Life Ring, he was a standout player. In 
15 senior games, just over 1,200 minutes, four goals, five assists. He dominated the UEFA Youth League that year. Six goals and two assists in only 815 minutes. So really strong performances. Then he moved to back to Salzburg sort of halfway through the following season. And that was more of a, a gradual progression season. Just four goals, four assists in 1970 minutes. Not bad at all for a then 18-year-old. And then this last season played very, very well. He can play wide on the right in a midfield four. He can play right side of a midfield three. He can play left side of a midfield three if you change the dynamics of how our midfield works. He can play as a 10. So he does have some versatility and he does tick a lot of the boxes we'd be looking for. Very inventive player. Huge, huge ceiling. And speaking to some Croatians recently, because I was talking about Lovro Meyer, and they're saying, well, you know, if, if you can't get him, this is the kid to then go and get because from an invent an inventiveness point of view, he's the next one. He's the next creative Croatian midfielder. You know, you had Modric, you had, say, Kovacic, though he's kind of nullified his creativity in the Chelsea team. Now you've got Lovre Meyer, and this kid's the next one coming. This is the one that a lot of Croatian fans are pinning the hopes of in terms of the national team on for the the long haul. So very, very special talent. He's been linked to Newcastle this year. And I think the fee mentioned was about 25 million at Euro, which for the potential and the the longevity you could get from, I mean, you could buy him now and get easily a decade of good to great seasons out of him before he even turns 30, you know? Um, so he's definitely one that we should be keeping an eye on, no question about it. Uh, three years left in his current contract, but you'd imagine one of two things will happen. Either Salzburg will give him a new contract and put a buyout clause in that sets at about $40 million, or maybe Red Bull Leipzig or RB Leipzig come in and they look to be the next stage in his development if someone like Dominic Zabozlai moves on. Barella then is obviously a very different beast i mean 25 about to enter his prime years an established international with the italian national team he's been at inter now a couple of seasons was vital in their title win last season had a very good season this past season his first season there he did struggle a little bit with the step up from cagliari but he had three full seasons at cagliari before that he had a season where he spent half the year on on loan at como so at 25, he's basically had seven full seasons of football already, which is a lot, but it's not like he's playing 50-plus games each year. It's 30, well, it was 21, 30, 35, 38, 41, 46, 48. And to be fair to Inter, they've done quite a decent job at managing his minutes. So, you know, withdrawing him in games where they're comfortably ahead and, just keeping track of things so he's not getting overworked because he is a very special player in that midfield, a real ball of energy, great aggression to his game, loves the physical side. He's 5'7", but he doesn't realise he's 5'7". Like, this guy thinks he's the biggest and baddest guy on the pitch every single time. No fear at all in his game. Has really developed the attacking side of his game. At Cagliari, he was more about breaking up play, winning the ball back and getting it to others and then making runs off the ball, whereas in recent years, he's become more inventive with his passing, little one-touch movements, layoffs, splitting the defence with a pass, 
He's got a lovely knack of knowing where to be when play breaks down as well. So you'll see him break beyond the ball. And then someone in an inter shirt will get in trouble and look for an out ball and he'll just appear and he's available all the time for the ball. Very little in terms of injuries with him. He had a knee injury uh, at Cagliari, missed four games. He had a broken wrist. That's not a football injury. Um, second knee injury at Inter, missed six games. Hamstring issue, a couple of little niggles since then. But through a career that began as a starter in, what, 15, 16, um, you're only looking at 17 or 18 games missed through injury. So this guy ticks every box. He is he is top class, like top, top drawer, proven quality, steps in day one and immediately improves the team, like a big upgrade on what's there now. He's a big upgrade on Henderson. He's a good upgrade on Naby. He's a lot better, obviously, than Elliot or Jones or, or Carvalho are going to be at this point in their career. I would have serious doubts about whether Inter would sell him, though. I think he and Bastoni might be the two untouchables in that team. Two pillars of the national team who are, you know, still young-ish. He's 25, Bastoni's 22. Inter will look at that and think, we can get years and years more out of these. Now, if their financial troubles come back to haunt them, maybe then he becomes available. Or if they get a bit silly, but with Beppe Morata running the show, I don't think they'll get silly. He is really special. He'd be very high on my list if I was putting together a dream list of midfielders to come in, because I do think he'd fit like a glove. Gavi from Barca, who we were linked with, reminds me quite a lot of him. Not quite as not quite as good off the ball, but slightly better on the ball. But same type of real bustly, energetic, aggressive nature to him no fear doesn't back down happy to throw himself into tackles and and brings in Barella's case brings a whole load of will to win like there were games in their title season where his sheer force of will got them over the finish line it wasn't Lukaku it wasn't Lautura Martinez it was him in the middle of the park grabbing hold of that team and just forcing them forward when legs were going and heads were dropping it was him grabbing hold of fellas six, seven years older than them and getting them back up on their feet. So with him, you get the intangibles as well as the undeniable quality on the pitch. That's amazing, mate. And you know what? I think the the inter point is the key one. A lot of people were saying, you know, just can't see into doing that deal. And, and you know, you're right as well. That that would be a tough one to do, to get done, especially with what's going on. You know, the, the, I don't know. I don't know if they're buying more players or if they're if they have to sell first to buy. It's I, I mean that would that make it more likely? I don't know, but they've just got um, Lukaku back in. Or uh, has that mm. been confirmed yet? Um, not yet. Not... No, it's. I think he's got his medical this week. I think they're right. trying to get him and Dybala. So my assumption is they're going to go to a three-four-three with Dybala probably behind Laturo and Lukaku. And then Barella and Brozovic as a midfield too. Now that doesn't leave a gap for Chalonaglu, but I wouldn't be having him in my team anyway because outside of free kicks, he doesn't offer me enough. No. Um, the, I am contractually obliged here by Sam Maguire to point out that we don't have a great track record with Italian players. But no. to me, 
if you were to line up every Italian player from from the last ten years and say pick one to go to the Premier League and thrive, not just not just survive, but go there and be one of the best players, it would be this kid because there's just something about his mentality that I don't think he'll allow himself to fail. I think he has. I think he just has an extra gear like that you don't you, see very often. Let me ask you a really interesting. Could him and Bellingham play together? Yeah, in a three, absolutely. In a three, definitely. You just play one. Because with Barella, for now, you could use him as that box-to-box ace. But you could also look at him as potentially being someone to take over from Thiago. As his pass. He'll never be a Thiago in terms of a passer because... There's very few players that are, like in the history of the game, there's probably been 20 fellas ever who could pass the ball like Thiago. So he's not going to be that tight. But yeah, he, he they could definitely play together in a three. Because you can play Jude as a 10 with Barella in a two behind and still give him that freedom to go box to box. Um, You could play them as eights. And I, I don't think it will be a, a major issue. Now, where one little bit of doubt might seep mm. in is as Fab ages mm. and gets a little less mobile, and we know he's not the most mobile of players now, if both of them commit to going and Fab is left covering vast amounts of space, that could become a little bit problematic. But yeah, That's the coach's job, right? Both that is the coach's job. Yeah. These, yeah. They're, they're, these are smart players. Barella's yeah. a smart player. Jude's a smart player. And... Barella and Jude, the one thing they do bring is they bring massive engines. So even if they both commit to going forward, it's going to be real hard for a team to counter against players like them. Like Bellingham covers ground like a Rolls Royce. He is just phenomenal. He just glides across the ground. Yeah. Oh my God. And then Barella, Barella will get back. Like he will just, he will will himself back into position. If he has to crawl back on his hands and knees, he will get back into position and find a way to impact things. That's just who he is as a player. So I, I the reason why I asked this is because look, let's let's just go through what we know. And we I did ask for a few questions. We might get to them, we might not, but we can save them for another another pod. That's fine, guys. But because we're here and we're interested in this combo is going, I like it. It's exciting me. Is that Let's take it back and we say, right, first thing, we know that Liverpool were going to go for a midfielder and a striker this summer. We know that, right? People will argue all the shit they want, but we knew that both of these things were going to, you know, they, they were after both. So and now, the every, everything everyone is saying at the moment is, oh, we can't get a midfielder until next year. Da, 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 da. It's because they've missed out on too many, obviously, and they don't. They probably just want to set expectations for people because obviously it's a hard deal to do if they're doing. We, the way Bellings is being mentioned now, he's in the Neil Jones article as well. There's something going on. Okay, you'd be stupid not to think it. You'd be stupid not to know it. There's something going on with the Bellingham's. The clubs are definitely must be talking like that is from just from the hints being given now. Okay, there's some ITKs on Twitter, there's whatever. Loads of hints going on that these two clubs are talking. So, we know there's a budget. Yep, me, me and you know. We know there's money there for a midfielder. Now, just say, just say we did go for too many. Just say that was successful and we got Nunes all successful. I think we would still go for Bellingham next year. 
right? Because obviously there's a liking for that player, and the likelihood was that it's a more better get next year. For the club, obviously they didn't know at the time that Madrid and City and all that will obviously go for him too. So the true anything might work out in a way where we go for Bellingham. If we can manage him this year, would it be something that we then go Barella next year? Why Have you seen how I'm working this? Because they, I don't understand why the Ox wages would be a problem now, all of a sudden. And this no, was well, raised. You, this was raised by someone. It, who was it? Arman or who was your subscriber? Arms or Oz? One of them raised it in the chat with me and said, "Well, last or was it Vborg? One of them said, but Gags, we were going for too many, and we were going for newness. So why, why all of a sudden is the press all about oxing his wages and getting, making sure he's gone, and this and that? I, unless we assumed he was leaving, and now he's not, but or he doesn't want to, but." You, do, do you see what I'm trying to say here? There's there's a bit a bit, a bit of lost logic somewhere. Yeah, there's no logic to it at all. It's bullshit, gags. Let's 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 actually have an open conversation here now about the wage situation. So, Sadio Mane is gone. Hmm. That is two hundred grand a week off the wage bill straight away. James hmm. James Milner Milner took a pay cut from one hundred and sixty grand a week to one hundred and twenty grand a week. Took a 25% pay cut. So there's 40 grand saved. So that's 240 grand saved. Yep. Taki is gone. That's 60 grand. So there's 300 grand saved. Mm-hmm. Divock is gone. That's 90 grand. That's he was, he was 100 plus, dude? No, I think it was 90 on the second yeah. contract that he got. After oh, the, right. it could, maybe it's more. Maybe it's more. But either way, if it's say it's 100 grand, that's now, what, 300 oh. grand. So that's 400 grand. We're 400 grand. Yeah, 400 grand. <laughs> 400 grand, right? Nico Williams is going. We know he's going. He's going to Forest most likely, but it could still be Fulham. That's another, let's say, 30 grand that he was on. And that could go, even if it's on loan, his wages come off the wage bill. So there's 460, 470 grand off the wage bill. We've brought in Darwin Nunes. Paul Joyce reported that his wages are 140 grand a week. Uh, Calvin Ramsey's coming from Aberdeen, where he was earning three grand a week. <laughs> Does anyone really think he's getting more than about 20, 25? No, 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 not at all. And Fabio Carvalho was at Fulham earning eight grand a week. He's probably coming in on about 40. So realistically, our wage bill has been shrunk by about 250 grand if Nico and Nat leave, forgetting Ox. Once Nico and Nat are gone, that's about 250 grand off the wage bill, including the players we've signed. So this idea that Ox's wages would make a big difference is absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. I do find it tough to believe. I mean, that's we have to try and cut through the crap in it most of the time. That's what we have to yeah. try and do. And obviously, this is all fine because the club wants to send these messages out to you know, keep fans calm and to to make sure that, you know, it's it's like, look, it's easy expensive, we're going to get him next year. I think I think it's possible this year. I think it's literally, get yeah. the deal done, get the boy in, play whatever politics or games you want to do, just fucking do it, man. <laughs> Let's get it but the, other, the other thing to consider here as well is, like, the wage bill was sky high after the 18-19 season because we paid out tens of, million, of millions in bonuses because they won the Champions League. And a lot of the players had massive bonuses written in for winning the Champions League, right? Yeah, this could have saved us a lot of money. The though. following <laughs> year, 
we won the league. So the same thing was applicable. Yeah. Massive, massive money. 2021, we didn't win jack shit. So no bonuses were paid. So the wage bill automatically dropped from just from that. This past season, yeah, we won the League Cup and the FA Cup. I wouldn't imagine the bonuses no, on them are massive. No, no. So the wage bill has already come down or should have already come down significantly. Now, I know there was players last summer that got new deals and that probably balanced out it did. the lack of success in 2021 in terms and COVID. of... And, and COVID. And COVID, obviously. Yeah. But I just... I, I, There's absolutely no way that us signing a midfielder is contingent on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain not being at the club. There's absolutely 600 no million. Uh, just say the revenue is 600 million, right? Mm. Surely, surely then there's a spend that's allowable for once in a in a bloom. You know, because obviously it's not been, we've been always at the 300, 400 million mark. We got up to 450 and then obviously COVID hit and, you know, we didn't kind of push on. They're saying it might be 580 to 600 this for the last year that's happened. Yeah. That's another 100 million there, 150 yeah. million there. That that means there's there's literally cash available, <laughs> you know, to go and do the magic you know, and like, but everybody's asking at, for it. Even yeah. look at what we've actually spent this summer. So we spent 65 on Darwin, five on Carvalho and four on Ramsey. So that's 74 million right now in the initial days after the Ramsey deal, when they were trying to spin, like, you know, like Liverpool have spent all they're going to spend. You had one or two journalists say, well, that takes their summer spending to a hundred million. Well, it doesn't because the add-ons are not applicable now. The add-ons will come down the road. And I know there's a Darwin uh, Darwin instalment to come, but whatever. It's it's 74 million is what we've spent now. We brought in 27.5 for Sadio, say 12.5 then for Tacky. That is 40. Nico's going to bring somewhere between 12 and 15. So that's, you know, 52 to 55. We've 25 million in the door from last summer from Wilson and Grujic who left on loans with obligations to buy. So once Nico is sold, we're in profit on this summer. Once Nico goes out the door, assuming it's 15 million, if it's 12 million, actually, regardless, whatever he goes for, we're going to be in profit. We have 25 coming from last summer, 40 from Taki and Sadio. That's 65. Once Nico's over 10 million, we're in profit on this summer. So if Nat goes and if Ox goes, that could be another 20 million on top of that. So we're looking at quite a decent net profit for this summer. So there's no reason, again, that we couldn't go and spend 50, 60 million on a midfield player because it would leave our net spend at only about 25 million if everybody goes. And even if Nat doesn't go, it's still only 40 million or 37 million or whatever it would be on a 60 million player. But at the same time, as you've just said, we're looking at record revenues and a wage bill that's coming down. A wage bill that's coming down by about 12 and a half million at the minute. If we signed a midfielder for 60 million and the wages were 150 grand, the wage bill's still down 100 grand before we count in Ox going, which is another 100 grand. So that's 200 grand, that's 10 million. 200 grand a week is 10 million over a year. So the wage bill coming down, the money coming from last summer, there's no reason, and, and the record revenues, there's no reason at all 
that we can't be in the market to sign a midfielder. And this idea that we'll wait till next summer, for who? For Jude? Okay. Is there anyone else that's in for only Jude? because Dortmund, I reckon that's only because Dortmund wouldn't sell this summer. But so because of Haaland? Our but... only chance of getting Jude is to do the deal this summer. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Let's say we... You know we what will... I mean? Just say we will do the deal. It's not about... But you're still waiting for him then, aren't you, for a year? Yeah, yeah but at least you're guaranteed that's the play on words. Yeah, yeah, that's the play on words. It's a play you're on words to be him, smart. But if, if it's an open market next summer for Jude you're Bellingham, fucked. You're fucked. we're not getting him. No, we're not, we're not bidding. We're not getting him. And the other midfielders, the likes of a Barella, well... Is he any more available next summer than he is this summer? How do we know that he would be? What yep, other midfielders yep. are there that are going are definitely going to be available next summer that apparently aren't this summer? This idea that certain journalists have floated that, oh, well, the players Liverpool want aren't available this summer. How do they know they'll be available next summer? Yeah, they won't be. And if not they if are, really name them. Name them since since you journalists are all in the know when you've got all your little contacts and senior sources at Anfield and all the rest of the nonsense. Name the players. Just name one of them. Tell me the one player that your senior sources at Anfield tell you isn't available now but will be next summer. And and not might be, will be available next summer. Because if they might be available, then that's more bullshit. There's no yeah. reason to wait a year. See, midfielder, he, unless you get the deal done for Jude, yeah, and yeah. you know he's coming, and that's what—that's the assumption I'm making. So it might be wrong, but I'm assuming that if the way they're talking about it, the way they're saying it, is it's kind of like hinting at a cater type deal. Now, my preference at the end of the day, we get Jude either way. If 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 they did any type of deal for Jude, like if they got him now, or if they said they did the deal now and got him next year, I'd be ecstatic because it's like you know that that's a unbelievable player you're going to get for a long time mm. and it's great you know that's that's great that we tried and we got something done because that would tell you that Dortmund just didn't budge on wanting to to, to leave another play now Tom James has just put something really interested in yeah in in, in I can't say there's a Chukwemeka uh, I can't say Carney Chukwemeka of Aston Villa is a Jude-esque type midfielder can we call him Chucky because it's funny you can call him Carney okay Carney let's call him um Chucky he is a Jude-esque type of midfielder. Stylistically, he's quite similar to Jude. Big rumours we're after him. Massive. We've been rumors. linked with him for a couple of years now. Like he is when when the current crop of Villa players were coming to remember we played them in the cup mm. and they played all their kids because they had COVID or something. And I remember speaking to a, a couple of Villa fans who are really kind of into their academy and the future of the club. And they said, without hesitation, this kid is by far the biggest talent we have at our club. And they said he's a bigger talent than either the Ramsey brothers. And we've obviously seen Jacob Ramsey look like an absolute worldie over the last season. His brother Aaron is meant to be even more talented. And they said, without hesitation, Carney Chukwemeka is the biggest talent Villa have in their academy and maybe the biggest talent they ever had. Which, if you consider they sold a fella for 100 million last year, now massively overrated, but oh, you know, it, it says crazy. what they thought of him coming through. Yeah, the issue has been he wants to play, and Steven Gerrard is hesitant to play him for now. Dean until was until he signs, yeah, yeah, until he signs, until because... he signs and commits his future, yeah, but he's not willing to commit his future 
until until he's been playing and shown that he's going to have games. So there are a lot of rumours that Villa will sell him this summer rather than risk losing him for nothing next summer if Dortmund or whoever pick him up. Where I'm trying to connect some dots here, Dave. Yeah, if Dortmund get him... We're saying we'll step out the way kind of thing. I don't know, but that just it just makes it really weird how these rumours are popping up right now. I mean, these have been on Twitter for a couple of days now. You know, so... Dortmund are also having a very expensive summer. Like a very expensive summer. So obviously they sold Haaland. Hmm. They only got 50 City. million for that. They, they didn't. They got more than that. The, the buyout clause that everybody's talking about is Fabrizio no, no. Romano's fascination. Okay, what was the Lies. what was the buyout clause? It was 63 million or something. Okay, so they only got the 63. The rest of it obviously went to Now they, or... they may owe City money off a sell-on clause from Sancho, which may be how people have worked their way back to 50 right. million. Right, makes but, sense. Either way, right? So let's let's just say it. Let's just go with what Fabrizio said and say it's fifty-one million. They signed Nico Schlotterback, the German international centre back from Freiburg, for I believe eighteen million. They signed Adiemi from Salzburg that we were linked to for twenty-seven million. They signed Salius Khan, who's a really talented midfielder from Cologne, who Dan Kennett actually wanted us to have a look at on the transfer committee pod because his numbers do really pop. Um, they signed jo- uh, Jaden Braff, highly talented young player from City, on a free but with a big signing bonus and good wages. And they signed Nicholas Sewell, German international from Bayern Munich, on a Bosman, but big signing bonus, like in the kind of six to eight million pound range. So they've already blown through the Haaland money and they are currently trying to finalize a deal for Sebastian Haller, former West Ham striker who went to Ajax and had a great season last year. They're trying to buy him at the minute for around 30 million quid. Now, Dortmund, remember, lost a shit ton of money because of the pandemic. And all of the Sancho money basically got swallowed up by the pandemic. So they don't have big cash reserves. So certain people are suggesting that Dortmund might be spending money ahead of an impending sale. Now, again, it may not be that they're willing to let Jude leave this summer. It might be a thing where they'll sell him this summer with the agreement of a loan back for a year. So a little bit different to the Nabi deal, where we didn't actually pay for him until the following year. We might pay a down payment on Jude this year Mm. loan them to Dortmund, an actual loan rather than just, you know, pre-agreed deal. They could buy Kearney at the same time, bring Kearney along for a year, and then when Jude joins us next summer, Kearney's got a year under his belt at the club and is ready to step in. So that is one sort of path of reason and logic that may be out there, but it's hard to know. It is hard to know right now what to believe because... You've got journalists saying one thing. You've got reports from the continent saying other things. And then you start to hear a lot of things from, you know, people that are connected to the club that, you know, are are open in some of the information they're willing to share. That a certain employee of the club has made more than one trip to Dortmund. And, you know. I, I firmly believe we're trying. I firmly believe we are trying. And, you know, normally when we go after someone like this, 
something happens. So I'm I'm gonna remain positive that this summer could be huge for us, and there could be something crazy. And with all the with all the with all the uh, rumours of what the money could be in terms of our revenue this year, it makes sense for us to break the bank once, you know, in the, in the first summer that we we get the chance to do it because this is what keeps you up with the rest, you know, of the and and next summer could be a, a terrible one, but. I, I mean, I I can't see I can't see Naby going anywhere. I don't see that, you know. I just see him staying. Let's put it that way. Okay, I see Naby staying. Now Mo's the one that you worry about. Next summer it's going to be a, a tough mm. one if Mo's off. Now, if he does, I'm sure there'll be players coming up free. Gnabry's going to be free next summer. I'm sure we'll be able to do a deal with with Gnabry or something in Jan. You know what I mean? In terms of signing a pre-contract because he's a different country. He's in a different country. So those type of things, things will happen. You know, there'll be players that we go for. What what Mo if Mo does go next summer, what you can guarantee he's gonna be fucking firing this year because he's gonna want a hundred million payment like a like Mbappe or whatever, eighty yeah. million up front. So he's gonna be he's gonna be playing for his next deal no matter what. So he's gonna give us plus he's got a break. Like I wouldn't worry about what Mo does this year. He's no, I'm not committed. worried at all about Mo. My my, my worry He'll be is committed. He'll be committed. If we don't buy a midfielder this season we're not buying a Mo replacement next season because we'll yeah, have to buy a midfielder. Two big things to do next year. Then, anyway. And we're not doing both next season. No chance. This, well, this I, is the I, summer I, to do it because we've had some big sales. But if you look at our squad, what big sales are there next summer that don't hurt us? Gomez, maybe. But again, you'd have to replace him. So if you got 50, will you take 30 away straight away to find the replacement for him? Costas? Maybe you get 20, 25. It'll cost 15 to replace them. So you could sell the two of them. You've only got 30 million. That won't go a long way. Whereas this summer, with Nico and Nat and potentially Ox and Sadio and Taki, plus loads of wages coming off the wage bill, including Divock. And I didn't even mention Laurie's Carrius has left the club. There's another Where's 60 this? grand saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive. So, you know, like, there's, a, there's 300k and, there. There's 300k easily. there. Like, there's the likes of Ben Woodburn is gone. We're no longer paying any of his salary. Uh, Shea Ojo's oh, gone. Yeah, there's loads. You know, there's loads of those lads have gone. Next summer, we don't really have that. We don't mm. have the fat to trim next summer that we've had this summer. And if you look at next summer's free agent group, so Mo obviously is the headline act in next year. He is the, the Kylian Mbappe of next summer. So say Ox and Mo go next year. Right, that's three hundred and thirty k more off off the, the wage bill. That's then but, now six hundred k. But no money coming in to replace them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So we we need to go buy. See, my my thinking is, you need a midfielder this year, then you need a midfielder and a striker next year. Mm. Because obviously, so you look at Bobby, Bobby, Bobby's Nunes Bobby is could replace go, Bobby. Bobby could go next summer, so Bobby's we don't have to replace him. Now, if Naby doesn't him. sign, Naby could leave next summer, and then we could replace him as well. And by the yeah. midfield, we need, and Milner will leave, so we'll need another. Like, if you start to kick the can down the road, all it gets of a scary. sudden, it gets real scary really quick. And, like, there are a couple of players in next year's free agent group that would be enticing, hmm. but one of them is Raheem Sterling, but he may well go to Chelsea in the next couple of yeah, days. What an idiot, man. Um, then there's Sadio. Well, look, look, Raheem would come back to us if we. He went. wants to come back to us, apparently. That's the rumor. And any fan that says they wouldn't have him, go talk to a wall somewhere. Sadio obviously gone to Bayern. Does Gnabry? He'd be the the one for me that we could look at. 
Uh, Scrinia wouldn't be of interest. Marcus Rashford, potentially, but United have an, have an option to extend his contract. Gavi, but Barca are trying to do a new deal for him now. Yuri Telemans, I, I don't see us going for him next summer. Oh, we would, we would, we, if we wanted him, we would have got him now. We'd go for him now. Fabio Ruiz is an interesting one. He's definitely someone that could come in and play for us. Um, he'll be at a contract next summer, but he's linked with Newcastle. Uh, Messi, we won't clearly won't be signing. Uh, Gabriel Jesus is going to Arsenal. Lewandowski, uh, Jan Oblak, we don't need a goalkeeper. Nobody at the club would want Jorginho. I, I would take Thomas Lamar on a free next summer. Hmm. Yeah, and a free. But it's outside wages. of him, there's not a whole lot there that would entice us. So, Asensio, Luis, uh, Wilf Zaha, these aren't players. Luke Shaw, we're not going to want Luke Shaw. Like, like so, let me put this to you then. So, I'm thinking this year you go for a Bellingham. Just say you get him this summer. Mm. I know we're playing fantasy land here and people are going to laugh. What a, I don't give a flying fuck. Let us play. We're having a bit of fun here. Right. So, imagine you get him. You're happy with the squad. You're like, we're on fire here. This is great. We'll look at what's happening. They'll let the plan for next summer. I think then you need a, a, a striker, at, well, a forward. We don't have strikers. A, a forward and a midfielder again next summer. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Because it's too much to do. We need, we need two midfielders do. now. So if we sign one now, we still need one next summer. Now, yeah. Milner staying sort of doesn't really negate the need for the second midfielder now, but in the minds of Klopp and a few others, it might. I don't count him as someone who's going to play regularly. He's, but he's he, I know, but he's still going to play. Like, let me say this now. Yeah. He starts a single Premier League game. Single Premier League game this season. This summer is a failure because the fella can't play. Can't play. <laughs> but if you look at our squad, if you look at our squad, right, we're, we're yeah. setting goal as long as Kelleher doesn't want to leave. For the next five years, we're setting goal. And even if Kelleher does leave, we've got massively talented young keepers like mm. Yaros and Pitaluga to step into that breach. So goalkeepers set. Ali, Kelleher, Yaros, Pitaluga. Even if Kelleher leaves, we're good. Trent and Ramsey, we're good. Robbo and Costas, as long as Costas is happy, we're good. And if he goes, it's replacing a backup left back. We'll be able to do that. Ibu uh, and Joel, we're good. Virgil and Joe Gomez were good. And again, it's only if Joe wants to leave. But again, we're really good at buying centre-backs. So we'll be fine. You've got Fabinho and Henderson as your sixes. Now That's why I think next year has to be a six. That's Yeah, yeah that, that's where you'd look next summer to bring someone in. That long-term successor to Fabinho. It could be a project. It could be uh, a Kefran Turam. It could be an Amadou Onana. Someone that's a bit raw and not quite, you know, maybe a year away from being ready to start for us. But they can learn behind Fabinho. They can learn behind Henderson, who'll still play games. So that's fine. He could be a third choice for a year and then step up into the backup role and then eventually succeed Fabinho as the six. So that's fine. Do that next summer. You go and you buy that player. On the left side of the midfield, we've got Thiago. We've got Naby. So that's going to be good this season and next season. So the following season then is where you'll want to touch that. That's 2024 is mm. where you'll want to go and get that left-sided one. The right-sided one is where we now have an issue because Henderson's not good enough to start. Jones hasn't proven he's good enough to start and still has that hesitancy in his game that's a bit, a bit of a pain in the hole. And then you've got, you know, Elliot, who's 
still not really a midfielder and is very, very young. You don't really want him learning on the job because we can't really afford to be dropping points in the early half of the season the way we did last season because that's what cost us the league. People have this fantasy about Carvalho. Let the lad settle in first before you throw him into position he's never played in his life mm. at senior level. So we need a right-sided midfielder right now. And that's where Jude would slot in. And then in, in attack, we're good. We've got Salah and Jota. We've got Nunes and Bobby. We've got Diaz, uh, Car- Diaz and Carvalho. We've got Kate Gordon. We're good. We've got yeah. then these young players like Ben Doak and uh, Kone Doherty and Musilowski and Fraundorf. We're good in attack this summer. Bobby goes next summer. We need to replace Bobby. Now, it can be with a wide player. It can be with whatever. If Mo goes, then obviously Mo needs to be replaced as well. So we could need two attackers next summer and a midfielder. But this summer, all we need, literally all we need is the midfield player. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be Jude Bellingham. It doesn't have to be Jude. You could buy Quadio Kone now and play him for a year. In the midfield, you could play him on the left of the midfield three and move Thiago to the right of the midfield three, where Thiago was unbelievable in the run-in in 2021. That Thiago, Fabinho, Ginny, Trio were sensational together. It was. That was so unbelievable. if you replace Ginny with Kone a year late, that Trio works absolutely for a year. And then you can maybe look at Jude the following summer to come in and play instead of Thiago, or, or Thiago can revert back and Kone becomes more of a utility player. But we're not sitting here. This is the thing, right? Whenever you suggest that Liverpool need a midfielder, you get the cry arsers. Well, go and support City. Right, why would I do that? Or you get, we can't compete with City. Because, like, obviously, City are currently signing Calvin Ramsey. Now, Calvin Ramsey would start for us. Thiago, Fab, Calvin Ramsey would be a really good midfield. Is it ideal? No. Calvin Ramsey has a, a fairly low ceiling in terms of from where he is now to what he could be. There's not a whole lot of room for growth. But he's a really good player. He's better than to Jordan Henderson in 2022. He is a better footballer than Jordan Henderson and has been for a couple of years. But is he as good as Henderson was at his very best? Maybe, maybe not. But he's comparable. He's comparable to what Henderson was at his very, very best. So people have said, look, they're signing him as a backup to Rodri. And yet we won't fill our starting role. And you get, we can't compete with them. We don't have the finances. We can't go out and buy Quadio Kone for 35 million quid. No one's asking Liverpool or FSG or Klopp or Julian Ward or anybody like that to go and spend 70, 80 million. If they choose to do that on on Jude Bellingham, brilliant. All we're ever asking is 30 million, 35. You're the masters of the 35 million pound signing who turns into a worldie. Ibu was 36 million. Uh, Andy Robertson was 8 million. I, I like, think I think you're right. But if they, can get, if they can get that guy that they want, first choice, Bellingham, you know, that's what you do though, right? That's what you would do, right? If you could get him, you'd go get him. Yeah, if 
if I could get him and I had the yeah, money yeah. to get him, I'd go get yeah, Jude. But yeah. I, I, I would, but I wouldn't go. Oh, we can't have him this summer. Will you do a deal for next summer? No, no, we're going to put him on the open market next summer. All right, well, we'll wait then. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. That, see, I wouldn't do that. See, you can't risk. No, see, if that was the case, I think they'd be looking for someone else. Because you're right, they're not silly. We know that, right? They're not silly. They're not. They, yeah, yeah, they're not silly. So they're cheap. They're, they're, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but they're basically very tight with the cash. But I think there's a reason for the password. Now, if they're making 600 million and we just talk about what the wages were, and that's just off the top of our head, right? Yeah. It'll be coming in somewhere close. There's cash there, man. And we didn't even include bonuses that all those players took home either. The gold yeah. bonuses, the whatever. We didn't include any of that. Yeah, like, Salah's earning like um, stupid money. So, like, there's, there's, no, there's no logical reason to wait a year. There's not. I'm sorry. So let's we might put have some had more a new documentary, but we're clearly the captain. Clearly needs to be replaced. Talking about the cop documentary, did you see that he put it on Instagram and somebody messaged him saying "legend"? Do you know who that was? Say, say, say that to me again. So the captain that you just mentioned said yeah. thank you to everyone who who helped him with the with the uh, documentary and right. part. And somebody replied saying "legend" to him. Guess who? I have no idea who that was. Jude, Jude Bellingham. Oh, interesting. <coughs> interesting. Yeah. Now, personally, I'd rather watch the Pogba documentary than that. But you know, is there a Pogba documentary? Yeah, apparently it's terrible. I think it. I think it has one out of ten on IMDb or something. Oh shit! It's really? like one of the lowest rated things ever. Now, some people have suggested it's a bunch of very bitter United fans going in and rating it one star without having watched it. Could be because he's he's um he's a little bit well no he's he's very critical of United apparently in it. I'm not oh, watching documentaries about players that are still playing. Like fuck off with that. Like let, when they retire, then fine if they're worthwhile. But like what like, the one from twenty the place out for a season and he has a documentary. The other fellow was garbage for six years. Now, my belief is that Pogba made his own documentary. I don't know if Jordan Henderson was involved in the making of his own documentary. It was just some YouTubers had an idea to do some collaboration Nike. with Nike. Nike. Um, but, you know, so he's he's obviously in it. He, he He's involved in, you know, he's interviewed for it. But Jordan, at least, what didn't make his own documentary. No. Paul Pogba has made his own documentary. With... So there's a documentary you watched this year on a player. It's Shane Warne, by the way, not football. Yes, it's, it's brilliant. Warne. It's, it's, it's brilliant. that's the only one that you watch. And I, unbelievably, he was making it before anything happened. Obviously, he did. It's, it was on, you know, um, mm. it was all a big shock. But then when you watch it back, it's like they had to add bits on at the end for him. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You gotta, yeah, you gotta definitely watch that because he's a legend and he's unbelievable cricketer, one of the best sportsmen you'll... I think when you watch that, you realise how bloody good he was. But anyway, back to football. Um, Sandeep there has actually just named the the dream Salah replacement for me, and I think probably for Liverpool, hmm. if Salah does go next summer, and that would be Federico Chiesa, um, who would be a close second to Barella in terms of, you know, which Italians could come to England and fucking take over. Chiesa would be second on that list, but he's out with an ACL injury at the minute, so so this we'll season's big for him, right? This season's yeah, this season's big for him to mm. see how he how he does, and then that 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 deal may be a cheaper deal if he's I don't know, but it depends on his one but one if last they continue to do stupid things and get themselves in financial trouble. It could be quite cheap next summer. 
Yeah, to be honest. The rumors. Who are they? Oh, they're just signing Pogba. Oh, they're linked with Neymar at the minute. Oh, my God. Mate, this is the one I want to talk to you about. Neymar to United. So many people going mental about it. What would your view be on that? Oh, I'd never stop laughing. I'd never, (laughs) ever, ever stop laughing. You just ruined yourself of Paul Pogba, who was absolutely garbage in five of the six years he was there. You've just rid yourself of him, despite the fact that you continually tried to give him a new contract. And you've you've already got Cristiano um, a question of questionable uh, moral ethics, and he's like destroying your team on a weekly basis, and then scoring goals to fool simpletons. Like, remember I said to you years ago that the best way to actually analyze a game and see who has actually played well and who hasn't is to watch the game without the goals. Yeah. United fans and all other morons in the media need to sit down and watch every United game Cristiano played in without the goals. It's awful. And just watch how fucking terrible he was. Just watch. He didn't. He just stood about with his hands on his hips, throwing his arms up in the air, ruining the confidence of teammates left and right, demanding the ball while being double-marked ridiculous and like they've got him if they added Neymar I swear to god like I don't think they'll do it because they'd love they want to see Neymar Ronaldo plus one up top right oh, it'd just be so hilarious they don't do no they signed Usman Dembele that's the front three Usman Dembele Cristiano and Neymar earning about two million a week between the three of them zero pressing zero all vibes no performance at all. Do, I think we'll get more than five out of traveling if that happened. We might get eight. Yeah, if we, we might get eight. If if they rocked up to play us, <laughs> Sancho the water carrier, Jason Sancho and Bruno Fernandez as the eights doing the dog. You might as well stick Sancho at right back if you're doing that. Sancho right back, Rashford at centre back, Bruno as the holding midfielder. It would just be an absolute pantomime if they signed him. Now, my hope would be that Eric Ten Hag has at least the common sense. He obviously doesn't have much common sense because he agreed to take that job. But, you know, like Jesus Christ, the guy he plays half the season in yeah. France. Yeah. He's half the season. He's going to take a, he's taking a punt in it, Ten Hag. If he can get them to get into the Champions League is a success for him. And also, he's on big money. He'll be on big, big money. So it's 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 worth it just for that. Even if you get sacked, it doesn't really matter. I don't think... Um, I think that's a poison chalice job, to be honest, the United one. And, you know, I think he'd be fine to get another job in Europe somewhere else, you know, at Ajax level type thing. Obviously, Ajax is big level, but you know what I mean. In terms of a world... Ajax is a... It's a big club, don't get me wrong, but in terms of their level in the Champions League, whatever, he'd easily get another yeah, job at that level. It's you know like those mean? those great European clubs that play in secondary leagues, like yeah. Benfica and Porto, yeah, where yeah, yeah. they're massive clubs and there's loads of prestige that comes with them, but they're not considered the, the real glamour jobs because they're not in the Premier League, Serie A or La Liga. Because even, even in Germany, it's sort of like there's the Bayern job and then there's everything else. And even the Dortmund job is not anywhere close to the Bayern level. In France, it's very much like PSG is obviously 
can we just say, and I said this today on Two Footed, if you're a manager and PSG call you, run. Run. Yes, you learn loads of money. Yes, you get to live in Paris, though it, it can be a bit of a shit all the times. Run away and, and don't even consider looking back. So Maurizio Pochettino's stated managerial dream was to manage PSG because he loved it when he played there. He has the job now. And they are openly, openly negotiating with Nice to buy Nice's manager off them. Christophe Galtier, former manager of Lille, who won the title there when uh, Luis Campos, who's the new advisor or something at PSG, was the sporting director there. They're openly going and negotiating. They're even admitting it. Yes, we're talking to Nice about Nice. are like, yeah, we're talking to PSG about getting about Galtier to PSG. And Pochettino is still the PSG manager. He has not yet been sacked. And they're openly negotiating. Like, what a slap in the face. Is that real? They've, they've, yes. Is he still, I thought he was sacked. He is still... No, he hasn't been sacked yet. He is still the PSG manager. Basically, why would you... Th- this is why nobody wants to take the job. Because one, you don't get a choice of players. Somebody else is buying them. Like, they're still buying now, players. With, with Luis Campos, you'd be happy for him to buy your players. Because he built the Monaco team that won the league. Right. And he built the Lille team that won the league. So he... He is elite. Like he's in that Michael Edwards type of caliber. Yeah. He, he's probably the best talent identifier in the world. So you're all right with that. But like, just look at the Mbappe situation where one of the owners came out and said, "We'll never let him leave." So it's basically a prison. Is what you're telling us? It's a well-paid prison. It is. Where if you and like Thomas Tuchel got them to a European Cup final. And was sacked five months later. Yeah, treated like shit. Treated like absolute shit on someone's shoe. Like, Zidane doesn't want any part of it. Because he's spoken to enough people. The man won three European Cups at Real. Would earn 20 million a year easy at PSG. And he's like, no, you're all right. He's smart. He's not going to to United or to PSG. Yeah. It just shows that he's got head on his shoulders. I reckon he's the France manager after the World Cup. Yeah, Deschamps doesn't seem to give it up, man. Ah, Deschamps. I think he might be told he has to give it up at this point. Yeah. Because he's not very good. good. They won the last World Cup in spite of him. He completely bottled the final in 2016 in the Euros. And then they were shambles at the last Euros. So I think Deschamps might have been told already, look, you'll get the World Cup and then you're done. Yeah, they they should be favourites, right? This year as well. Yeah, and like... Deschamps will walk into a good club job. He's a World Cup winner. Who wants to hire me? And loads of stupid clubs will go, hey, here's fucking millions. Come on, come on, World Cup winner. Remember Chelsea, like when Roman was really churning through the managers and they they appointed Scolari, the Brazilian, because he'd won the World Cup. And his club career was nothing spectacular. And his Brazil team that won the World Cup were the most boring Brazil team in history. And yet he was like, who wants to hire me? I won the World Cup. And Chelsea just turned a big bag of money over to him. And we're like, there you go. I have at it. Um, no, uh, PSG is a job you avoid. Uh, United is a job you avoid. Pochettino, though, is going to be an interesting one because I, I think if Gerard struggles next year, I think they'll go for Pochettino. 
because they're really ambitious, like really, really ambitious. The yeah, two got, boys. That, yeah. yeah, and they've got bags of money. Wes Edens and and the Egyptian kid, uh, Egyptian guy. Don't. This is a complete long shot and very unlikely to happen. But if Mo becomes available on a free next summer, I will guarantee you now that one of the biggest offers he gets is from Villa. Because Villa's co-owner, not Wes Edens, the other fellow whose name I can't remember, is the richest man in Egypt. And I guarantee you he will make Mo an offer. Now, Mo won't go there. No, no. But it'll be interesting because he gets a... But he will, he will offer him a shitload of money. See, now, this is another interesting point. Just for Mo. This is the last point before we go. The last discussion. I don't know how long this will go, by the way. But this is the last point. So you talked about Mo and the wage, and obviously the biggest other thing on our plate is the renewals of Naby and him. I personally believe Naby will be done, so we can put that one assumption to the side. Mo, though, because of the amount of money, you know, everything we've heard so far has been positive, but the close longer it goes, the more you have doubts in your mind that this isn't going to happen. So if we are making all this money available, like as in this free for... Uh, from the wage bill, yeah, like we just talked about. <clears throat> You've got to assume that's going on players that are coming in rather than them wanting that to go to Mo. Because it does wipe it all out if he takes it. If he does sign, he literally wipes that all like, available. It doesn't, wipe, it doesn't wipe it all out because like, as I said, we, we didn't factor Carrius, we didn't factor some of the others that went where there is enough money being chipped away to the point where there's probably there's probably the better part of three hundred and fifty grand a week hmm. currently saved off the wage bill after the incomings with the expected outgoings. Yeah, and not all of that's going to Mo because Mo's currently on about two hundred grand a week. He's not getting five fifty. No, he no, might get four hundred, yeah. but that still leaves one fifty, and they still have the knowledge that next summer. Bobby leaves. There's another two hundred grand off the bill. Oh, Milner goes. That's another hundred and twenty grand Ox off the bill. So there's three hundred. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of counting Ox this summer. now. Right. Okay. But even if it's next summer, either way, like just between Milner and Bobby, that's three hundred and twenty grand a week saved next summer. And yeah. you know the players we're going to bring in won't be on Bobby. T- they're not going to get two hundred grand a week out the gate. Nobody walking in the door is going to get that. And that's obviously where the sticking point could be with Jude. If he's looking for, like if he's had a look at Sancho and thought, well, he got 300 grand a week. I want 300 grand a week. Then we're, we're going to be out of the Jude Bellingham business. But he's got a good head on his shoulders, apparently though. Yeah. See, I, I think that, and I think he's really well advised as well his dad, know, with, yeah. his, with his dad. And he's very, he's got re- a really good team around him. Um, whereas with, with Sancho, like, look, who can blame him? You know, when United are in for you, you're going to ask for stupid money because you're going to talk like Sancho's really close with Rashford, right? So when Sancho's two best mates in the England squad are Trent and Rashford. So when he spoke with Trent, Trent probably told him, look, this is kind of how we do business. And I'm, you know, this before he got his new contract, he was on about 80 grand a week or whatever. He's like, that's what I'm earning. It's my second contract. Next, uh, this summer, I'm doing a new one. I'm going to go to about 150. And, you know, I'll, I'll go from there. 
So Sancho was probably looking at and thinking, right, if I go to Liverpool, maybe I get Trent money. Maybe I get 150. And then he speaks to Rashford and Rashford tells him, well, I'm on 250 at United. <laughs> and he's looking at it going, what? <laughs> You're on 250 grand a week. And he's like, yeah, like we all heard that kind of money. I mean, Bruno's on 250 and De Gea's on 350 and Pogba's on 350 and there's just money everywhere. And Sancho's like, all right, well, sure, I'll just chance my arm then. Well, I want to go to United for 300 grand a week. And they're like, okay. Because remember as well, United backed themselves into a really bad corner on that by the previous summer, allowing it to be continually speculated that they were negotiating for Sancho all summer, when in truth they didn't. They never really made a real offer that summer. No, but Romano and all the yeah. other spoofers used that as clickbait to grow their own following and make money off it. And United didn't say anything because they wanted their fans to think they were being really ambitious and trying to get Sancho in. So fast forward to the following summer, they kind of had to go and get Sancho. And they had to pay him what he wanted. And when he knew there's loads of lads at the club earning 250 to 300, he's not taking less. Whereas at Liverpool, no one's earning that kind of money. Mo and Mane and Bobby and Virgil were on the top tier. And he knew he wasn't going to get their kind of money. He was going to have to come in below that. So, like with Jude, I think Jude would be a bit... See, I don't think Jude would want to go to United. He's turned them down once before. I don't think he wants to be involved in what is I think, clearly I think he a catastrophe. Learns, you learn from from Sancho. Look, Sancho must be saying to him as well, mate, this is fucking shit. You know, <clears throat> now does it? I can't see anybody that that can see how the club's being run at the moment. How do you, how do they get out of it with all the players that they've got? Even if they get Frankie De Jong in, mate, it's not going to make a big difference. It really no. isn't. No. Frankie will look. Frankie's a very talented footballer. And I think if Frankie came to Liverpool, he would be a star. But Mm. Frankie de Jong has not been a success at Barcelona. He just hasn't. Like, he has stagnated quite badly in his development at Barcelona. He is is not a better player now than he was when Barca bought him. Uh, If anything, he might have even regressed a little bit. So, United are going to give Barca 70 million-ish Assuming he wants to go there, and a lot of the reports suggest he doesn't, they're going to give Barca seventy million for a weird midfielder who doesn't really have a position, but you could fit him into our team quite comfortably because he could play in our three uh, in a multitude of ways. Whereas at United, like, and we've got other good midfielders. They don't. They have no midfielders. Like, who's he going to play? If he came to us, he's playing with Fabinho and Thiago, or Fabinho and Naby, or Henderson and Thiago, or Henderson and Naby, or whatever. You know, he, he could play with um, with Henderson, Fabinho, and, and uh, himself, because he could be the left-sided one. So you could see him fitting in with us. He goes to United, he's playing with Fred and, and uh, Scott McTominay, like hardly luminaries of the game. Uh, Darren Fletcher has recently suggested the move of of Harry Maguire into midfield, which it would be a delight for all to see. But the thing is, United signing Frankie doesn't actually improve them unless they buy a partner for him. Because if they just plop him into the team with what they already have, it's going to be a train wreck. It's going to be Pogba 2.0. He's going to be completely out of sorts. He's not going to know... Like he's not good enough defensively to be your six. 
and neither are McTominay, neither are Fred. Him and he Van, de Beek, Van, Van de Beek. Him and Van oh, de Beek. <laughs> Him and Van de Beek as two of your three is really good. As long as the third one is like Wilfred and Didi. Yeah. You know, like a really dynamic ball winning shielding presence who's going to set that platform to, for you two to go and play. He'll do the grunt work. You two go and play. But the other thing with Frankie is Frankie loves to just abandon his position and go 40 yards up the pitch, either carrying the ball or playing one twos or just supporting the play. And that's fine if you play in a team that has a high line that moves with the midfield. So you watch us play. And when our midfield presses forward, our defence presses forward. Harry Maguire is not pressing forward. Wan-Bissak is not pressing forward. Luke Shaw is not pressing forward. That defence is not moving as a block with that midfield. And the other thing is, when our defence presses forward, Ali comes and stands on the edge of our box. David De Gea stood in his six-yard box with a safety blanket and his thumb in his mouth, cribbing for his mammy because now there's 30 yards of distance between him and his defence. He wants them 10 feet in front of him. He wants them right on the edge of the box. And he'll stand on the edge of the six-yard box, and that's fine. The corridor of uncertainty is there, but everything else is gorgeous. It's, it's going to be a train wreck. I, I don't think United fans <laughs> realise how much they've got to do. Let me tell you this. <laughs> Come on. Sky Sports PL. I'm not sure if you saw this tweet, but according to reports, this is from Sky Sports Premier League. They got 13,000 likes at the time. <laughs> Man United have rejected a sensational request from Barcelona for England defender Harry Maguire to be included in any deal to sign Frankie. No, no. So I've I've covered this today. I've covered this today. So <laughs> okay. Let's here is the people. only circumstance. Now I've gone through all the potential, you know, variances, but the only circumstance in which Barcelona would want Harry Maguire is if they made a decision to go carbon neutral and got rid of all their lawnmowers, and rather than bringing cows to, mow, to, to eat the grass because of, obviously, the methanol problem, they, hire, they buy Harry Maguire oh, to come in geez. and chew the fucking cud because there's not a hope they'd put him on a football pitch to do anything other than eat the grass and fill out that massive arse of his. No, no, no. Harry Maguire coming into play. That's his agent, because obviously oh. United are currently been linked with a lot of centre-backs. And that's his agent putting it out there that, like, Harry's a top-drawer centre-back. There's a video oh. going round of Goldbridge losing his shit <laughs> at a, a couple of United goals that Harry Maguire was at fault for. <laughs> I saw a video recently of every goal United have conceded since they signed Harry Maguire. And you know the one where he tries to head it back to the goalkeeper, doesn't get enough on it, and then grabs hold of Luke Shaw and hurls him to the ground? Like, if Virgil did that, it would be the worst moment of his career. It's not even top 10 in the biggest Maguire errors at United. No top club would touch Harry Maguire. 
No. I can't wait for this season. I just want their banter yes. run to continue. Oh, I can't wait. When do we play them early, don't we? Yeah, third game. I yeah. hope it's a smash, man. I swear. Oh, we really need hope. to go there and absolutely obliterate them. He because he can't even get sacked after three games. Like, no. You have to no, stay. That's it. That's <laughs> but it. that loss would he destroy might, them. He might quit after three games, <laughs> but he won't get sacked after three games. What about Bruno? What a, what a, what a He must be looking back and thinking, what the fuck did I do? But like, you know? See the thing Jesus. is, the Bruno Bruno because he went was to he's United. a good player, man. He's a good player. He's brilliant. Bruno's yeah. brilliant. He went to yeah. United, and he was absolutely otherworldly yeah. for what a year and a half. Mm. He he came in and he just carried them, put the whole club on his back and carried them. He was coming off two and a half brilliant seasons for uh, for Sporting. Okay. He joins United. And it is, it's the same thing. He immediately just goes absolutely nuclear. Actually, has he been there? Yeah, it's been. It's going to be it's been two it's and been, a half years. He's been it's in United. Be three isn't it? in Jan, yeah. Yeah, he joined. Yeah, that's right. So he, he comes in and he immediately just catches fire, and it's eight goals and seven seven assists in fourteen league games, and then he obviously scores in the FA Cup, and he scores a, a few in the Europa League for them as well, and he carries them. Then 2021, he's incredible again. 28 goals. 28 goals and 17 assists from midfield. Shit. In 58 games. Plays 4,500 minutes. Monstrous load he's carrying. And then they sign Cristiano Ronaldo. And he, he just falls off a cliff. What did he and, do? And the what, is, tell us the numbers, please. 10 goals and 14 assists. That's still, actually not bad. It, look, that's a if 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 our captain put forward that, that's a career year for him. Exactly. But Bruno was putting up all time numbers, like yeah, the best are. seasons of Lampard and Gerrard for wow. four years prior to that at Sporting and at United. He was Lampard Gerrard type, not performance, numbers. Yeah, twenty goals, fifteen to twenty assists every put, single year. Phenomenal. Measure. Unbelievable. An absolute monster for output. But the knock on him was always, he doesn't do it for Portugal. You watch him for Portugal and he's why? a completely I different player. <laughs> and I was t- screaming at people, like, it's because he plays with Cristiano. Bernardo Silva is the same. For City, he's world class. For United, he looks like a pub league player. Or for, for Portugal, he looks like a pub league player. And there's a whole bunch of these players. Renato Sanchez is like that. William Carvalho is like that. Ruben Neves is like that. Joe Moutinho is like They're all so much better Thankfully, at club level. Only Jota's been pretty and good. Jota, but even he isn't as effective with right. the national team because the whole fucking thing is built around that show pony. And I said it the minute they signed him, this is disastrous. You can go back and listen to the two-footed pod the day that it was announced. I said, this is going to be a disaster for Bruno. I said the same. I said it was a disaster for the club. I said to, I, I, I had loads of people telling me this is fucking shit. I can't believe it. I feel sick. I feel. Sick. I was like, dude, this is the worst thing they could have done. They're it is spending not a half a million. Oh my goodness! Not a coincidence that they like their second place finish in 2021 was fake because we had all the injuries, but they were still a top four team. You know, as they had been the previous season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were top 14. They signed Rafa Varane, an improvement in defence, and Jaden Sancho, an improvement on the wing that they may or may not have needed, but 
with the Greenwood thing, they didn't they did need him eventually. So they improved their team and then signed Cristiano Ronaldo. And they went from top four comfortably to the worst season United have ever had in the Premier League era. The worst season they ever had in the Premier League era. It's so good. And it's it's not a coincidence. It's not, like I said, if you want, go and find footage of the games. Go and get the raw video file of it. Download it onto your computer or whatever. Find when the goals were and clip the goals out of the game. And then watch the game with the goals gone. Or just skip over them when they're about to happen. Just skip over them. Watch the games without the goals and you will see the incredible negative effect that Cristiano has. Now, some of it's not his fault, but most of it is. Like, there are times when teammates, for reasons not only to themselves, try these ridiculous passes to him that are the wrong ball every single time. He was a disaster for them. And if the rumours that Chelsea Chelsea want him are true, United should be driving him to London. Like, drive him to London. Get him out of your club. Yes, he's an all-time legend. And yes, you fawned over him and touched yourselves for the 11 or 12 years he was gone when he didn't think once about you and you acted like he was gone on loan to Real and then to Juve. Mate, it's it was... the most beautiful thing. It's poetry for Liverpool fans. For well, Liverpool they signed fans... him and announced they were, they were going to win the title. Exactly, and all their pundits and everyone in the in the press and in TV was saying we're back and shaking them like they did with the Ole, right? All of it was going on. Now, reverse it. Liverpool fans are like, "What the fuck? This isn't." I, I didn't think it was going to do much. A lot of others lose their shit, which reactive we are, emotional beings, and you know, just saying. There's emotional beings out there right now, Liverpool fans, who are a bit pissed off because they want one more player. Just imagine right now being a United fan, looking up. There's probably never been such a big gap between the clubs, especially Man City and United. I mean, obviously, actually, there has been when City were relegated. But between Liverpool and United, I think this is, this is pre- even when we were low, we were probably not this bad. Like how they're playing, this is really bad. So- and yet they're spending... So much money, Dave. So much money. If you want an idea of how how things have changed in Manchester, right, <laughs> over the last few years, City got all their money in, in 2008. In 2009, they tried to sign Diego Forlan, formerly of Manchester United. And Diego Forlan said, I lived in Manchester for two years and didn't know there was another football club in the city. And he wasn't been funny. So City were irrelevant 20 years ago. And United were probably the number one club in Europe. And now United are the number two team in their own city. However, while it's great to laugh at them, we should always remember that this won't last forever. Just like our banter era or whatever you want to call it didn't last forever eventually someone will come in the door that gets things right Hmm. and they have too much money and too much pull and they're always willing to put money out there for this to be bad forever and the right manager and i don't think it's ten hag and it 
the other thing is it'll never matter who they have as manager until the structure changes, until they get a real director of football and a real scouting department and a real I think analytics it's department. The go, mate, to be honest. No, I think you could like Ferguson won under the Glazers for seven years or eight years. Mm-hmm. So if you put the rights the right structure in place and the and then you get the right manager after that. So say you go and you get say they brought in Luis Campos and he put in all his scouts and they got whoever in as or let's say they got Michael Edwards in a worst case scenario and he put in the same type of structure he's built at Liverpool and then went and got the next club. So whoever that is, maybe it's Nagelsmann in a couple of years, whoever. Then it could work because they will be able to rebuild quite quickly with the money that they'll spend because of how much they generate. They'll rebuild quite quickly with the right people. And when that happens, we can't laugh at them anymore. And it also will close our window because right now it's us and City and we're the only two teams realistically that can win the Premier League next season is us and City. Chelsea are going to take a big step back because Roman's gone and Todd Bowley is an absolute moron. It's us and City on, on a platform well above the rest. But a rebuilt United with a real manager, with a real plan, will immediately get back onto that level because the money will propel them back to that level. And then we go from having to compete with one team to having to compete with two teams, the way we have been with, with Chelsea. And as Chelsea fans are very happy to tell us, they have won more than us in the Klopp era. Hmm. You know, that money... So even if they don't have a manager as good as Klopp or players as good as Klopp, the money that doesn't... money and that depth and all of that, that allows them to compete at a level maybe that So right would... now, it's just City because, mm. because Chelsea won't have that money. You can see there's going to be trouble there already. But People they, are jumping. Just, just sacking have... everybody. <laughs> yeah. he, appoint, he appointed himself as interim sporting director and didn't tell anybody he was doing it. Mate, I've got a feeling shit's going to go... Pete Tongue over there as well, right? And oh, then it's so, be great. It's so be then great. we got them and United fucked. And at the same time, Arsenal and Spurs are doing some decent type of moves here. Um, but I do feel one thing is Saka. So that's the next thing we need to talk about, I think. But we'll leave it for the next. Yeah, we'll do uh, that next week, maybe. Because, yeah, the right wing option at Liverpool needs to be discussed. And if he doesn't yeah. go to City this summer, something, they, yeah, we need to discuss. I, I would bet that he is. Almost certainly our top Mo replacement target. Hmm. I would bet quite a lot on that. We've been after Bakayo Saka for about four years now. We like the kid on the other side as well, don't we? Martinelli, yeah, Martinelli. And that's this is the thing. Like, you know, they're they're trying to sign Rafinha at the minute, or they're they're in for Rafinha. They're one of a few clubs that are in for Rafinha. It doesn't make any fucking sense for them because yeah, Rafinha is brilliant, and I love him at Liverpool, but. He plays the same position as Saka. And Arsenal's fans thing is, well, we're signing depth. Well, like, you're not spending 60 million on depth. I'm sorry, you're just not. So if he's coming in to be the starter, then Saka's not on the team anymore. Oh, well, Saka will go left wing. Okay, Saka doesn't necessarily like playing left wing and isn't as good left wing as he is right wing. So is Saka as a left winger better than Martinelli as a left winger? Because I don't think he is. I think Sack is a better player than Martinelli, but I don't think he's a better left winger than him. No way. No chance. So 
if and and if you move Saka across, Martinelli's out of the team, and Smith Rowe is out of the team. Yeah, it's fucked. It's so stupid. So now you're going to have these two, at least two of your youngsters going. Hang on, we were in the team. Now we're not in the team. <laughs> yeah, and now you've, you've got Rafinha, you've got Gabriel Jesus, and you bought Fabio Vieira, who you didn't need either. So all of a sudden, yeah, they'll have loads of good players, but they're going to have unhappy players as well. And they can make out, like, some of the explanations have been, well, they're looking for a city type of situation where they have lots of options. Fair enough. Uh, is Gabriel Jesus not pushing to leave Man City this summer? Is Raheem Sterling not pushing to leave Man City? Is Bernardo Silva not pushing to leave Man City? Like, and they're they're winning leagues. And those players are still looking at going. You're trying to get in the top four and you think you can carry all that weight. No, they've got Pep. Players queue up to play for Pep as they do play for club. Nobody queues up to play for Mikel Legohead Arteta. No, it, it won't work for them. They're, they're not. They're a stupid club. They don't worry me. Arsenal don't worry me. Arsenal are years away from being a, rele- a relevance to us because Edu's not good enough at his job. Arteta's not good enough at his job. If, if you don't have a great manager, you're not winning this league. The only time, the only times less than great managers have won the Premier League, Ranieri in a fluke season and the two boys who won it at City, Mancini, who's a very good manager, and Pellegrini, who's a very good manager. Other than that, great managers win the Premier League. Mourinho, Ancelotti, Conte, uh, Pep, Klopp, Wenger, Ferguson, Kenny. There's three outliers. And two of them were at the richest club in the world. And the other one is the biggest fluke season any league has ever seen. So you're not winning the league with Mikel Arteta. Spurs do concern me. But we can talk about that another day when they get a bit more done. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Dave. It was, uh, it was good fun, good laugh. And <clears throat> we fitted a lot in. And I think we were very positive as well. Um, but yeah, we will come back next week. And we've got loads more to talk about. As I said, there's some questions as well about wage, wages and structures. And we've covered a little bit of the structure stuff here in terms of how we think we've got rid of a few things uh, and things may, may change. But as you can see, next year as well, there's more... There will be more gaps appearing. There will be more, you know, space made for players in terms of wage. So I think that's if there's a negative in terms of losing players, but there's also a positive in terms of there'll be that there'll be enough there to go and get players. Yeah. And so what we need to make sure Liverpool do this 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 year, Dave, is do what they did last year and be in the main two competitions all the way till the end, because that's what at least gets you money. If you don't win them, do that at least, because then you can go and get the players. Then you can go. Well, that's it. Yeah. Like this summer, we needed. We needed a striker because Mane was going. We needed a midfielder because we needed a midfielder. And we needed a backup to um, Trent. And then a need arose for another attacker because Taki and Divock were leaving. So we got Nunes to replace Mane. Carvalho replaces the Divock and Taki minutes. And then Hickey is the back, or Ramsey rather is the backup, but right back. We still need the midfielder. If we push that to next summer, you're going to need a Bobby replacement. You're going to need another midfielder because, like I said, we need two anyway. And then you may well need a Mo replacement as well. So you're going to need two big-time starters next summer and two 
pretty important squad pieces. And if you push anything of that till the following summer, you've got a 30-year-old Andy Robertson who's probably going to be starting to slow down. And you've got Thiago coming up in 2024. Like, Thiago will be out of contract. So you'll have to replace him. So everything will roll into each other. Then in 2025, you're probably going to have to start looking around at what's the long-term replacement for Fabinho. What's the long-term plan behind Virgil? What's the long-term plan with Naby? So everything starts to roll into year on year on year and you're just snowballing things. And all of a sudden, you get to, say, 2026 and you've got a laundry list of stuff that needs doing because you've been pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing off. Oh, and by the way, Jurgen Klopp's contract is up. <laughs> in yeah. 2026 so do you want to deal with that as well do you want to deal with a new manager coming in come to Liverpool here's what we need or do you want to say to managers if Klopp leaves which he may not but do you want to say to them come to Liverpool we've got the perfect squad because we have maintained our squad improved our squad year upon year upon year and the thing is as much as I'm delighted with Darwin and I think Carvalho could be a star and I think Ramsey's going to be really impressive, is our squad stronger right now than it was 12 months? Well, it's not 12 months ago because Diaz is there, but is our squad stronger right now than it was, say, in the middle of March? I don't know that it necessarily is. I don't know that it's stronger. If it's the same... You're not going forward, so therefore you are losing ground. Our squad needs to be stronger the first game of this season or at the end of the transfer window than it was at the end of the January transfer window. It has to be because Cities is going to be stronger because they've added Haaland, who's much better than Gabriel Jesus. They're bringing in Alvarez, who's not as good as Sterling, but in a squad role can be effective. They've signed Calvin Phillips, or they're signing Calvin Phillips who's a big upgrade on what Fernandinho has been the last few years. And while people might want to mock it and say, oh, well, like he's not going to start, so we don't need to worry about it. Yes, we do. Because when Rodrigo missed the game, or Rodri missed the game last season or the season before, Fernandinho stepped in and you thought, he's a shadow of himself. That's fine. You're happy to see him now. You won't be happy to see Calvin Phillips. He's a much better player than Fernandinho has been the last two, three years. So that's an upgrade as well. And they're looking to bring in Mark Cucurella. And the only other flaw in their squad was they were short depth at fullback. And by bringing in Cucurella, it means they're now loaded. Because remember, they lost Mendy because he was, yeah, well, you know, he, we, we don't need to get into what he did, but he did some stuff. Cucurella, so City are going to be loaded this summer. Absolutely loaded going into next season. And anyone saying it's the worst squad they've had is just talking shit. They're not as scary as they were in 17, 18, 18, 19, but in terms of depth, this is the best City squad there's ever going to be once they get Phillips and Cucurella across the line. It's going to be unbelievably good. Depth everywhere, quality Even if they everywhere. Lose Sterling and Jesus and uh, and 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 uh, Silva wants to go. Gundogan's Bernardo won't go. go because Barca can't afford to buy him. And Gundogan? Gundogan stay another year. Gundigan oh, is he staying, staying now? Yeah, he said he's staying. So oh, okay, they'll okay. get a year out of him and they'll replace him 
if Bernardo goes, they'll get 70 million for him and they'll buy a replacement. They might yeah, go and buy yeah, Jude yeah. Bellingham for 150 million for all we know. Yeah, um, idiots. Do you know they're they're going to be they're going to be monstrous next season. And look, it may not work with them because Haaland might not settle. He might have injury issues, whatever. But you can't look at that squad and say it's not considerably better when they've upgraded at fullback hugely, like hugely. Mark Cucurella is one of the best left backs in the league versus a fella sitting in prison. Massive upgrade at holding midfield, Phillips over Fernandinho, and a massive upgrade at number nine with Haaland over Gabriel Jesus. You can't look at their squad and say that's not better. You just can't. If you do, you're lying to yourself. Whereas you look at our squad and you say, it's at best, it's going to be as good. But unfortunately, last season, it wasn't good enough to win the league. It wasn't good enough to win the Champions League. Yeah, they need to sort the priorities out this year. One midfielder, one midfielder gives us the perfect squad. One midfielder. And like I said, it doesn't need to be Bellingham. It doesn't need to be. It could be Kone. It could be Lovro Meyer as a creative attacking midfielder on that right side. It could be Dominic Sabozlai. They're £35 million players. I'm not sitting here asking for £100 million. I'm not sitting here asking for city money, city wages. Dominic's wages would be about sixty grand a week. Lovro, about the same. Kone, about the same. These aren't outrageous things to, to suggest that we could do, which immediately improve our team. Lovro, Kone, Dominic all immediately improve our team. They're all better number eights than Jordan Henderson. Therefore, they improve our team. So, anyone listening, and we know you're listening from Liverpool FC, put that call into Mr. Ward, because I haven't got him on sleep speed dial. I had the other one, I mean, I'm joking. But, yeah. We <laughs> Ring Ren. Ring <laughs> Ren. And say, Dave said Lovrell's good. <laughs> 35 million. You paid 12 for him. <laughs> we will give you Curtis Jones on loan for a year. No, three years. A, a seven-year loan. <laughs> We will give you Curtis on loan for a year. Curtis would fit well at Red and how they play. And we will take Lovro and everybody's happy. And then we'll get Jude next summer and we're good. Yeah. It's always good to leave it on a laugh and a joke. So, I um... was always getting my Curtis in on loan. <laughs> always. Always. I, tried, I was going to work it in earlier on, but I thought I'll leave it till late. I'll rile up a few guys, but that's so much funny. So funny. Thank you, Dave. And we'll be back next week to discuss more uh, Liverpool transfers and transfers from all around the league as well, just to have a bit of a laugh and a joke and maybe laugh at United and Chelsea along the way as well, if we can. But thank you, Dave. Thank you all. If you're not on Discord, you should get on it. Amfordinus.com forward slash Discord. And uh, if you're a subscriber and you're not on Discord, you should let me know. Tag me at Gags. We'll get you the access. But uh, yeah, catch you next week. Up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, 
we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.